It's time for the Victory of the Light Radio Show with Rob Potter. You can live 2,000 years, tell us, lead them past their fears. All grows in time beyond faith and reason. Would you hide behind the glass till we free our souls at last? There's only dust between you and young and treason For the end is always near Even best friends disappear Changes surely come to be clear Who will you nail to your cross? Who will you blame for your loss? Life's freedom of choice Between love and fear Rob Potter. Folks, this is Rob Potter. I'm your host of the Victor of Light Radio Show, and I have a, a few things to share with you over these next few shows here. And I'm restarting and relaunching my website. Some of you may have been noticed I've been fixing things on the back end and getting a lot of technical things done. And I'm ready to relaunch my website to bring out a bunch of new information that is very relevant at this time. Um, you'll notice I've been silent since. Uh, uh, the Corey uh, conferences. I had another conference the last year after a year's break, and the fires, of course, were kind of slow. Uh, a lot of places in Mount Shasta struggled through those fires. Uh, let's fast forward to the fall. I ended up going to Bolivia again and down to the six-dimensional portal opening at uh, Sahama Volcano, where the large Sintamani sits, and also... Um, I ended up going to China. They invited me over there. Uh, I went for about 23 days. I was back for about 21. And then they ended up going for 30 days. And my next guest that's going to join us, Raymond Keller, was actually there too. But what we're going to be doing now is I'm going to be releasing a lot of information that Raymond has shared with me in regards to metaphysical information. And first, I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Victor of Light radio show and to let you know, I am doing several uh, things now on my website. One, I'm going to be launching the pyramid systems given to Dr. Fred Bell and myself through the Pleiadians when I was uh, quite young, from the age of 16, you know, probably until 1989 or so was some of the last uh, technological information that was shared with Dr. Bell. Um, I was around during some physical contacts, and I'll be sharing the... Uh, pyramid systems chamber we'll get into that in the future but you can look on my website under pyramid uh, systems and stuff like that and that's going to be there we're going to be uh, launching the nuclear receptor and the projector jewelry which protects the body against 5g was developed by the pleiadians and the andromedans using shape energy so that's going forward also folks uh, the Sundala Orphanage in Tanzania, my friend Chris over there has, I think, 30 children. Um, if you're feeling it, please look on the website uh, on the my side banner picture. Uh, go down and click on Sundala Orphanage. Uh, he has a Facebook page in there, too. Um, he always needs help. He struggles quite a bit trying to keep these kids fed. 
So any support you can give to him. I know a lot of people give to prepare for change. They have a lot of kids too. Uh, but if you can uh, help out, these children need uh, help. And I always want to support him and his mission. So uh, I'll probably do a show at some point here um, talking about various things. But today we're I'm very honored to have my good friend um, who's living in West Virginia. And I'm going to um, uh, bring up some stuff here, folks, uh, so I can share with you some of the stuff. We're kind of going to start new with him and let you know, uh, start a special series on Raymond so that you people can really realize uh, who he is. So um, he has a PhD from West Virginia uh, University um, with the emphasis on the African diaspora in Latin America. Um, uh, he has a Master of Arts from Western uh, University West Virginia University in Spanish with emphasis on Latin American literature. Uh, he has a, a certificate from the Orangeburg Cahoon Technical College uh, as a histologic technician. Um, he has a multicultural education certificate. He has a BA from Maryland, an AA from Maryland uh, at Heidelberg University when he was uh, uh, in the military, I'm sure. And uh, he has uh, many uh, military occupational schools uh, in his military career. He has a lot of teaching experience. And um, I'll have to say that he's been an editor uh, and, a, and a, an incredible chronicler of everything in regards to what we call UFOs. Uh, I found out through Raymond, of course, uh, that and uh, the our Venusian friends don't really like the word UFOs. Um, and when I met Jill in Las Vegas, the, one of the cover of the uh, stranger at the Pentagon there, or the picture with her and Valiant Thor, um, when I knew she was a Venusian, I said, uh, "Have you ever seen a UFO?" And she looked at me, she said, "No, never seen a UFO, but." Uh, she goes, I've seen a space. I saw a spaceship in New Jersey once confirming that I knew that she was on the cover. So let's go to my love of the Venusians. Of course, uh, most of you know, I have a, um, had a, have a, a strong connection with Omnek Omnek. And uh, from a very early age, when I was uh, studying with Gabriel Green, I just heard her message and it was a, a, a radio interview she did. And Years later, I actually got to meet her, and uh, several times she's come to my conferences, and uh, she's absolutely adorable, full of love, and a sweetheart. Let's talk about Dr. Frank Stranges, one of the kindest, warmest men, looking in the eye, full of joy and happiness. And uh, when you go to look at Luis Mostojo Fernando Martens, he also has an extremely uh, calm presence. He's had a lot of experiences. Um, the same thing with Raymond Keller here. We're going to move into the conversation here with Raymond in just a second, but um, I want you to go. I'm going to share my screen now with you, and I want to uh, share with you um, a, a new uh, page on my website. It's called My Teachers. If you come to Truth References, and you go to my teachers, one of the teachers uh, 
uh, page is Raymond Andrew Keller II. And here we are in Shasta after my Mount Shasta conference. And this, this click, if you click this page here, you're going to go to all these articles. But this is, I actually wrote an introduction for him. This is actually going to be uh, an introduction in his next book. But this really is going to tell you about my love for Raymond and uh, the information that he shares and how important I believe he is as one of the most profound contactees of our time. So I'm going to just uh, uh, click here. This is going to be exclusive content always available on my inner circle as well. But if you go in here, you're going to see a whole bunch of articles by Raymond Keller. Uh, and you can see a lot of stuff there. So you can always check out and see what Raymond's writing about. I'm going to say, Raymond, uh, it's a pleasure to have you here once again. And thank you for, for coming to the show. Oh, thank you, Rob. It's a pleasure to be with you and to share information with your uh, with your audience. And for those of you who don't know Raymond, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, start off by plugging his books, and then we're going to get into the questions. And we're going to hear a little about his, his history and uh, some of the many things he's done. And he knows almost everyone in the UFO movement, especially from the early days. This is his first book, Venus Rising. A Concise History of the Second Planet uh, by Rain, Raymond Andrew Keller. Um, and this book uh, is amazing. He actually wrote this book after he, uh, in 2014, he had a heart attack. And after that, it was a pretty amazing. But in 2017, he came out with that book and this book, Rockets to Venus. These are, these are not... Uh, in books, folks. These are extremely well-researched articles with lots of pictures and information. Everything you want to know about Venus and who's involved here and um, in, involved in what I would call the cover-up, Raymond's research abilities are second to none. And uh, I, you've probably heard me talk about this before. This is the most amazing book of all, and I'm not even going to scratch the surface here, but this is Cosmic Ray's Excellent Adventure, and there you see him with uh, who we might know as Dolores Berrios, and we're going to get into this through the series of interviews. But I realize, folks, um, the information I found out from Raymond <laughs> has uh, been so so mind-blowing to me now you got to realize i'm a tough cookie you're going to have to give me evidence and because i have my own metaphysical and spiritual experiences and extraterrestrial contact type of situations so when i first heard of raymond through frank chili i was pretty uh excited and then i got his books and some of the information was so foreign to me i really had to get smacked around with my ego and of what's real and what I thought I knew about outer space, the Paroma extraterrestrials. And one of the most important things I think you're going to find in this interview is that we are um, going to be dis demystifying the extraterrestrial contact experience. We're going to get to the level here where you're going to become friends with the Venusians. Um, in my uh, 2016 uh, uh, 
live show actually at with Corey Good at my place in Mount Shasta. I had a slide that said "Meet the Venusians," and Raymond actually has another one. I I noticed he's, he had that on his own. Uh, one of the articles you'll see there is called "Meet the Venusians." So. Um, that's what we, I want you to do here is to meet the Venusians and to understand this contact experience. Raymond and I have had many conversations which go into various metaphysical areas. But I wanted to take this series of interviews with Raymond and go from the beginning. This may be even uh, 10 hours or something eventually. But uh, I'm, this is the main introduction interview that I want you guys to kind of listen to and look back at this. So we're going to start off and um, uh, thank you for coming on, Raymond. Let's talk about um, your first contact experience uh, and how you kind of came into the UFO movement. I'm going to mute myself so we don't get a bad sound, um, but tell us how it all started for you. You were a young boy and I think uh, you and a friend had an experience, and, and let's take us from there, how your interest grew and what happened. Uh, yes, uh, well, I was uh, growing up in uh, uh, Northeast Ohio in the city of Bedford, and uh, was a reporter for the Bedford Times Register, my local newspaper, and a, uh, an editor in, uh, in high school of my uh, uh, newspaper, the, the Fourth Estate, uh, Bedford Senior High School. But uh, a friend and I were coming back from a camp out, uh, and uh, uh, we saw this uh, saucer-shaped object hovering over a, a railroad trestle. And uh, we're very, very excited about it, and uh, contacted uh, uh, Earl J. Neff, the director of the Cleveland Ufology Project. He's the one that... Uh, that uh, first uh, released the information about the Air Force textbook on uh, on UFOs uh, that uh, admitted that uh, they were extraterrestrial spacecraft. Uh, chapter 33, uh, Introductory Space Science. <laughs> and uh, uh, he got that from Major Donald E. Kehoe of uh, NICAP fame and National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena in Washington, D.C., the, the, the largest UFO group at the time. And he entrusted it to Earl, and Earl gave me a copy of it. But uh, um, Earl invited us to go to meetings of the Cleveland Ufology Project, acronym CUP, these CUP meetings uh, over in Parma, Ohio, on the west side of uh, uh, southwest side of Cleveland, and uh, from there um, uh, invited us to publish uh, a UFO newsletter, flying, the Flying Saucer Report. And uh, uh, following uh, uh, an article that appeared in uh, the National Enquirer, it gained worldwide prominence, and uh, we began to exchange publications around the world with uh, with other, uh, with other Saucerians, uh, Ray Barker down in West Virginia, uh, Jean Duplantier of Saucer Space and Science in Willowdale, Ontario, uh, Queensland um, UFO Research in Australia, and uh, and many other groups. Uh, 
<laughs> even uh, non-English speaking groups. Uh, there was one in Yugoslavia and, um, uh, not, and then uh, others in France and Germany. So it was uh, quite a production. It ran all the way until uh, until 1972 when, uh, uh, when I went into the military, into the Navy. So you actually, so folks, uh, that lets you know that Raymond was very involved with many different UFO groups. He's been involved in writing and editor and uh, a, a researcher and a historian par excellence. And um, one of the things about Raymond, uh, I, I call him in that introduction, I call him my egghead because he has a lot of information um, that uh, is chronicled in his books with footnotes. So, Everything he talks about is actually documented. And these books uh, kind of start off with this information about Venus, but you're going to have to read them carefully between the lines because if you know what we do and don't know about UFO, there's information contained in here um, in the book, some of it that's not even available kind of from Earth sources. So we're going to go to that. So, so let's see. Uh, let's tell them about your military, your sundried experiences in the military. <laughs> You've uh, lived in 44 countries under various contracts. You've done other things. Let's take us uh, 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 briefly through that, and then we'll come back to um, uh, some of your more esoteric UFO experiences. So uh, 44 countries, Navy, Army. Tell us about that. How did how did this happen? Okay. Uh, well, uh, as the Vietnam War was still going on uh, at the t at the time, uh, my father said, uh, "Why don't you go into the Navy? Uh, because um, uh, you know you'll be you'll be out at sea, and they'll certainly treat you um, uh, a, a lot better." And so I took his advice. I did, and. Uh, and um, uh, that that was very good. Uh, I uh, took some classes uh, in in the Navy and started working toward my degree, uh, which I continued later on, and uh, <clears throat> eventually finished with the Servicemen's Opportunity College at the University of Maryland uh, overseas. And uh, when I finally got my my bachelor's degree, it actually came to um, to the uh, uh, mailbox uh, in Panama, uh, at the military base in Panama, on the uh, uh, outside of Cologne in the Galita Island, Galita Island Naval Air State or uh, Galita Island Communication Site. So you've also um, uh, so you've worked uh, in the Army. You kind of moved around in various positions uh, in South America and. Uh, uh, other locations, correct? Oh, yes. I would say uh, two-thirds of the countries that I've been to have been through the military. And then the other one-third were on my uh, on my own. And that included uh, Australia, uh, where I worked with the UFO Research Queensland, uh, and got, finally got to meet them in person, and um, uh, Africa and South America. So... Yeah, so Raymond's been around. Uh, he has a very uh, broad uh, 
experience. And I'll just say he really knows how to research. When you read these books, you're going to see a tremendous amount of evidence. Um, uh, well, I, you know, I have introduced you to my audience before, but I'm expecting I'm going to get uh, a lot of new people once this series comes out and people know, and I'm release this new information that I've learned from you. And uh, we can talk about these various subjects, but um, let's talk about, um, well, let's kind of start in 2014. Um, well, I guess we can go back to 2012. Uh, basically, I'm just going to get the history of this because we're going to release this later. It's too much right now. I found that talking to people, giving the summation of Raymond's experiences are difficult. People don't, don't really uh, get it. So Raymond's had these amazing experiences, and I've told people about them. And even my friends, um, some of them who kind of know I'm pretty out there anyway, it's just too much for them. The story, it is too much like a sci-fi. And that's kind of what happened with me and Raymond was I was like, this is so far beyond the thing. And But I, I questioned Raymond like I did Cobra uh, originally. And the metaphysical depth and understanding he has, of course, uh, uh, definitely far surpasses me. And he passed all my tests of of veracity and he has a great sense of humor and he has listed his books as magic realism but um i'm going to tell you right now he was invited to by a woman who um now lives on venus who previously lived on the earth to come to an ascension party on venus in 2012 uh, we're going to get into that in the next, you know, five to eight interviews or whatever we're going to do here. But uh, when you came back in 2014, the idea was for you to, um, you were thinking you should be writing a book. And then tell us about your, uh, you had a quadruple bypass and then uh, you had a, a, a meeting with kind of with yourself. Tell the audience about that. What inspired these books? We would like to thank you for listening to the Victory of the Light radio show with Rob Potter on the BBS station. Rob wants to remind you to be sure to check out his website, thepromiserevealed.com. You may also keep updated on Rob's updates on his bio page here at bbsradio.com. Rob has a great archive of information on his site and his e-store has a very wide selection of advanced healing technologies. Please look into the special programmed contact tours called the Journeys to Shambhala Excursions in South America this September. These two journeys are both once-in-a-lifetime experiences enjoying Peru and Bolivia. Machu Picchu and Lake Titicaca, Island of the Sun and Island of the Moon are included, so feel free to come on one or both tours. Rob and the world-famous contactee Luis Mastajo Martens will be your guides. Please don't hesitate to contact Rob through his website for more information. And now, back to the Victory of the Light radio show.
yes, Rob. Um, I uh, went to the VA hospital up in Pittsburgh. Um, they had done a series of tests and determined that uh, I needed to have a quadruple bypass uh, operation. And um, so I was on the operating table for about uh, uh, eight hours. And uh, while in the uh, in the uh, in that state, uh, I had uh, 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 essentially an out of body experience. My heart was actually taken out of my body so they could work on it. And I was on artificial support uh, at, at the time. And uh, uh, I, I met and talked to my, my higher self, who appeared in many different uh, uh, arrays of clothing, um, representing different incarnations, and uh, uh, asked me if I wanted to go on or if uh, I wanted to come back and finish, finish writing the, the Venus books, which are based on all my UFO research that I've done throughout throughout my life. And I said, well, that would give my life uh, purpose, some meaning if I came back and, and finished those books. The information needs to be out there. And uh, I know many, many people now uh, in the uh, first and second uh, eras of ufology, uh, phases of UFO research are, are um, transitioning at this point. And uh, uh, they're they're putting out uh, information as well. In that in that regard, um, Stanton Friedman, uh, who just passed away recently, I had the opportunity of meeting him several times, and uh, uh, we exchanged books with each other. Uh, the last book that uh, I received from him was the uh, uh, Aztec. Crash. Um, he appreciated my rockets to uh, rockets to Venus book uh, because um, I contain a chapter in there about the uh, Aztec crash as well, and uh, uh, provides some some new information that even Dr. Friedman didn't know about. But uh, but yes, uh, that was. Uh, uh, that was the uh, the whole impetus behind coming back to Earth is to uh, finish these books and provide the public with this information. Very good. So you come back and uh, you're inspired to to write the Venus Rising books. Uh, you just started, and of course, uh, um, you have a lot of uh, history as a as a scribe, so to speak. We'll talk about that in the future. Why don't you give us um, um, some of the uh, maybe highlights that you'd like to share from uh, the Venus Rising, and uh, maybe we can we might branch off into some metaphysical uh, queries here. But uh, this is a big book, um, and uh, what what essentially is your theme uh, with this book? Uh, maybe, of course, all the other books is explain about everything Venus, but. Tell us in your own words um, uh, what's going on in this amazing book. Well, um, it's come to 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 pass uh, here in the United States, at least, that there's been a lot of skepticism about uh, whether life could uh, uh, could even exist on Venus. And uh, I wanted to prove um, 
through historical and scientific records going back as far as uh, as uh, humankind and written knowledge that uh, that we've always known about life on Venus as well as other planets and the, the presence of extraterrestrials, particularly Venusians uh, living among us. Okay. Um, so, um, well, I guess... Uh... You know, you've you, you have a lot of information here. You're talking about the solar wind and uh, you know exobiology. And uh, tell us why the scientists have it wrong, and or at least I know why because we're not they're not really told the truth, but uh, that's hidden. Uh, I guess we could start talking about that. What do you think is the story? Why is the government? so insistent on keeping the truth from the public? Well, uh, Venus is the closest planet um, to the Earth. And uh, up to this time, people have felt pretty contented, um, or the governments of the world have felt contented in uh, in uh, keeping the people in the dark about uh, life on other planets generally. But even the... Uh, uh, even the moon are uh, there are are alien bases on the far side of the moon, and even under even under our oceans and uh, inside the uh, the earth. So the extraterrestrial presence is all uh, all around us. So uh, once um, there is open communication between extraterrestrials and human beings, I imagine that the uh, that the uh, Political and economic establishments of this world won't be uh, won't be around very long. It's just like the clash of civilizations with the arrival of uh, Columbus and the Europeans into the uh, uh, in, into the New World. Um, there's there uh, the, the Native American uh, civilization um, collapsed within 30 years, completely collapsed. And uh, we'll probably be looking at a repeat of that scenario, which is exactly what um, which is exactly what uh, um, the late Dr. Stephen Hawking predicted would uh, uh, would happen. Right. So, well, we have this uh, thing. Okay. So they obviously are wanting to keep it secret. I'm going to ask you what uh, we heard from Valiant Thor telling Dr. Frank the reason why. I'd like to hear from from your lips. What is the reason uh, that you think that they're so insistent on covering it? The truth. Well, the uh, the Venusians and other extraterrestrials uh, uh, that at least have the ability to reach uh, uh, reach our planet obviously have an advanced technology as far as space and science uh, in in general and. Uh, uh, to us, the, their science would be as uh, as magic, as uh, Arthur C. Clarke said. We have no way of comprehending or understanding it, let alone u- utilizing it properly for peace and the total benefit of uh, uh, of humankind. So, um, until um, uh, until we've uh, reached a point where our spiritual maturity matches our our technological uh, advancements, we won't be entrusted with that. Right. So that brings us to the next question. If they're real, 
They obviously <clears throat> have made those, themselves known to the government <clears throat> who has the technology to observe and report and to acknowledge this. The, the question is, is, uh, uh, is why the governments? They have high technology. So I guess what you're saying is the government is fearful that they can't control the information. They can't uh, uh, take the technology and uh, charge for it. I mean, uh, this is not the government. It's probably some groups behind the government that are kind of in control, right? Secret groups. Oh, oh, yes. Yes, because, uh, you know, the economic system, the religious system, all the systems that have uh, that have uh, co-evolved here on this uh, on this world. Yeah, that's a sad state of affairs, folks, when the people that we've elected to be responsible not only use their positions of power to hide the truth and to keep themselves in the elite positions, but actually are using the knowledge, the power, our taxes, the technology to destroy us. And this is a, another conversation, but um, I, I want to go into uh, one of the things that we've talked about in the past. Let's talk about, so everyone wants to know if they're here, if it's real, why don't they just show themselves? And I, we've discussed this many times. Why don't you share with the audience um, why they don't just show themselves? If they did, what would happen? Uh, what, what would happen to our society? And um, <clears throat> why are they waiting at this point in time? We see so much suffering. Many people are like, why don't they come down and save us? And uh, I think... I mean, I feel we need to save ourselves, but it certainly would be nice if we had a little help. What, give us the skinny on that. Why aren't? Why don't you come down and talk to us more? <laughs> I mean, they're talking to you. They're talking to others. Uh, why don't they uh, make their presence known and, and uh, address the United Nations or, or speak to us through our media? Is it? That's what everyone wants to know. Yes. Uh, well, they have been working behind the scenes. Uh, and as, as the readers of the Venus Rising books will discover, um, on many, many occasions going back thousands of years, uh, they've sent teachers uh, in the form of uh, avatars and others through countless ages to help enlighten us and, and bring us along to, to uh, ready us to reach a point where uh, where that kind of uh, of open contact will will be possible. The late the late uh, Professor Adamski, for example, George Adamski, uh, he had said that uh, many scientists in high levels of of uh, the governments of many countries had been uh, had been contacted. These are scientists who were working on projects that were very close to. Uh, unlocking uh, some of the keys to the vast powers that are out there in the universe. We know there's uh, multiple dimensions, but if we go to Venus, how many uh, people exist there um, on the physical plane? Uh, on the physical plane, because of the planetary conditions there, uh, it's uh, a limited to around 5 million or so. And most of them live underneath the Earth, but they do have various bases on the surface. Is that correct? Uh, yes, that 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 is correct. 
Uh, I think that uh, that our friend Omnek has also talked about this, as well as uh, Valiant Thor um, may have revealed some things to Dr. Strangest as well. Yes, that information, folks, is available in my inner circle, which is being revitalized. Um, and there's information in there for you to check out. But um, Omnek, Omnek said that she actually came from the sixth dimension or the astral plane and lowered her vibration to the physical plane on a particular mission. So um, let's give them another idea of the Venusian technology. There's actually a moon they call Neith, and you're telling me that it's cloaked. Can you talk a little bit about the size of the moon Neith? And um, uh, is that all? Is that like a military uh, security base, or what's the story up with the cloaked moon on Neith? Okay, it's uh, uh, it's uh, it's a little um, smaller than our own moon, and um, uh, it was a captured. Uh, it was formed from captured. Uh, uh, asteroids and it's a uh, uh, partly uh, artificial construct. It has a very um, uh, a, a very weak atmosphere, and most of the uh, inhabitants are are inside. But it is sort of a um, um, a, a defense uh, installation. But it's also a a, a, a radio relay point uh, for contacting. Um, uh, other planets and a communication center. Okay, so here we have the, the cloak beneath. It's a security. It's hollowed out. Um, is this actually exactly spherical like our moon? Uh, yes, it is. It's, uh, it's in the shape of a sphere. And uh, uh, up to the dawn of the space age, uh, it remained uh, uncloaked. And there are many reports um, by observatories around the, the world here uh, of citing it. And there's uh, evidence of it on the limb of Venus, uh, where um, when the, the moon is behind Venus, uh, that uh, there's kind of a glow, there's an aura that penetrates the, uh, the upper atmosphere, and it looks like... Um, like a ring of light on the edge of, of Venus that's actually visible to astronomers here on Earth even today. Because that, although, the, although the moon is cloaked, the, the, the ionization of particles in the Venusian atmosphere from the, from the, uh, from the rays emitted off of the, uh, reflected off of the, off of the moon, uh, you know, pass through the atmosphere and create that kind of uh, corona effect. When I think of uh, an asteroid, I think of an irregular shape. Did they terraform it to be a, a sphere? Uh, I mean, or is it just like sort of a sphere? It's kind of like a big rock. I mean, is there um, is there soil on it? I mean, oh uh, well, the. Uh, the asteroids uh, that were taken um, out of the asteroid belt and brought into the vicinity uh, of Venus, beside the ones that were left uh, untouched as Trojan asteroids, they were uh, uh, put together, the materials, essential elements to, to help uh, create this, this, uh, this structure. Wait a minute. They put it together, so uh, what? 
they had a bunch of magnets and pulled it together. I mean, <laughs> I, I went, how, how is this uh, coalescing a form? Is this a higher dimensional uh, help here doing this or what? Rob will be appearing in Irvine, California at the Atrium Hotel next to John Wayne Airport October 4th to 6th. Rob will be speaking there at the Portal to Ascension Conference. You see this information on the PromiseRevealed.com website or go to theascensionconference.com to see the schedule and details. Keep an eye out on the Promise Revealed because soon Rob will be launching his new line of plating jewellery called the Nuclear Receptor and the Andromedan jewellery called the Holographic Projector. Rob would also appeal to your generosity to help the children at the Sadala Orphanage in Tanzania, Africa. If you will click on the image on the left-hand sidebar titled Sadala Orphanage on the Promise Revealed homepage, you can see how the children need your help. And now, back to the Victory of the Light radio show. Um, no, this is uh, this was all done on the, the third uh, dimensional level a long, long time ago. Tell us kind of the history of the moon, uh, when it came here, what's there, what's on the back and front, and then I'll have some questions. Okay. Well, the essential elements that created the moon were, were formed shortly after the, uh, the Earth coalesced into a into a solid body some uh, 3.75 uh, billion years ago. And uh, w- what had occurred was that a planet uh, about the size of Mars had bumped into the Earth and uh, or passed significantly close to the Earth that it tore off a chunk of material that... Uh, that one time formed a ring around the Earth. And when this all came together uh, uh, over time, it formed uh, the the moon, or at least the basic elements that we have in the moon today. So uh, when when our astronauts go up there and they see that the the lunar uh, regolith, the material that forms the moon, is is, uh, basically the same as, uh, as here on the Earth. But um, there was a structure there in place. And so uh, when the extraterrestrials began arriving in larger numbers uh, here in our solar system um, a long time ago, uh, they, they felt that rather than interfere um, directly with uh, life on Earth, they could observe and monitor it uh, from, from the moon. And so there... Uh, there's a uh, there's a city on the inside of the moon. It's hollowed out. Um, when you ping radar beam, when you send radar beam beams to the moon to bounce off, they make a pinging noise like a bell. Uh, there's places around the moon that are um, geophysical anomalies, uh, electromagnetic anomalies called mascons, uh, which are huge concentrations of um, of uh, electrical energy, electromagnetic energy under the surface uh, that that are are totally irregular and uh, unaccounted for, except for the the presence of cities there. And uh, when uh, in the, in my Venus book uh, in the 
in the rockets to Venus, I have photos of the uh, backside of the moon in there uh, with the dome structures on the backside. And uh, one of those articles that you published on the on your website tells about uh, Dr. J. Allen Hynek and one of the one of the unknown, least known projects that he worked with. <clears throat> um, there were some uh, red flashes that were sighted in the Archimedes crater uh, to the north of the Sea of Tranquility on the moon. And then um, uh, the Nixon administration in 1966, three years before the Apollo mission, contracted Dr. J. Allen Hynek their extraterrestrial specialist to go out to the observatory at Corrales, New Mexico, uh, to work on a project to monitor the moon for signs of activity and intelligent life. So they focused on the Archimedes uh, crater and uh, they uh, discovered all kinds of anomalies around there, like some kind of platforms under the crater um, some kind of structures in the crater wall. They discovered intense outbursts of radiation coming from the uh, crater along with the intermittent red lights. And uh, so uh, Hynek recommended to President Nixon that when we send the astronauts to the moon, uh, that we should see what's going on in that, in that particular region. And that's why they chose the landing site there on the, the Sea of Tranquility. Was the original moon that kind of coalesced into form when the, a planet similar to Mars bounced and sucked off some things? We had our own kind of like little asteroid belt, kind of like Saturn. But over time, it coalesced into form and became the moon, right? Y yes, that's right. And. Anytime, uh, anytime that the uh, the extraterrestrials are building a base in outer space somewhere, they have to have some uh, basic material that's already there in order to, to 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 work with it. And if it's not there, they can um, they can bring in asteroids from the asteroid belt to, uh, to supply material. Um, once upon a time, there was. Uh, 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 a planetoid there, an object a uh, little bigger than Ceres, uh, and uh, it exploded it was uh, between Mars and Jupiter, where the asteroids are today. Okay, yeah, all right, yeah. And this is where they get that material. So when the uh, NASA scientists look at all the planets, they'll see that they're, that they're these rogue asteroids that they can't account for that are in the vicinity of these planets. And... Uh, uh, it, they're around all of all of the planets. They call them Trojan asteroids, and uh, I write about them in uh, uh, in my Venus book. What they're used for, and and exactly why they are positioned where they are. Yeah, so I'll give that to them real quick, and I have another question. But those Trojan asteroids, folks, are actually little bases, and they're monitoring monitoring stations so that they're radio and communication systems throughout the solar system is complete. So from any planet on any side, you can always communicate with the home base with each other on Venus. So it's basically, uh, it's, we could call it like a, 
like a Wi-Fi satellite without any negative repercussions for the humans, <laughs> but it's basically a, a communication, and they fit them out quite nice, higher standard living than we can possibly imagine inside these spaces for these various groups. So the question I had for you that I didn't quite get to was, did the moon originally revolve uh, or was it always having a fixed orbit, or is that a function of the technology when they decided to build out the backside of the moon, create a base there, and observe us? Is that when we only saw one side of the moon, uh, or was it naturally, was it spinning? Oh, uh, um, yeah, the um, the moon originally was... Um was revolving was was spinning but uh, but as material was added to it and uh, and the extraterrestrials began to work on it and to hollow out the interior uh, and everything they they fixed it uh, so that we have the one side uh, facing the earth so that um, the other side they could do all their building on speaking of the other side building, uh, folks, so as you read these books, and you can get them on Amazon, or actually, um, you know, it's almost better to contact uh, Dr. Raymond Andrew Keller directly um, and uh, find out he can send you books, and it might help him out and get a little more, uh, uh, he gets a little more cake. He, these books are not that super famous yet. Pretty soon, I promise you, they're going to be uh, hard to come by, but... These books are a very special. So you want to get them at least on Kindle and start reading these and, and learn this information, especially you people who want to learn the higher metaphysical truths, because this is going to provide a great background for you to understand what's called the Paroma and the multidimensional nature of the universe. As we move forward into this series of interviews with Raymond, and I'm taking it slow so that you people can uh, her learning is just not, I'm not going to bombard you with these bombs of outlandish science fiction tales, which are real. We're already going there, but um, it's going to get even more uh, more exotic and wild, really, as we move forward into Raymond's story. But um, let's talk about the, the back of the moon base. I mean, in the early days, some of the contactees were talking about Clarion and um, uh that is uh, actually the name of the Venusian base outpost. But the back of the uh, moon is called Clarion. Uh, and uh, the Unarius Society, Ruth Norman and her husband, who are channelers from uh, San Diego, Chula Vista area, um, uh, were talking uh, about information from Clarion. And some of the early contactees uh, in the by 40s, even in 50s, were talking about Clarion. And they were saying, where is it? Well, we find out from Raymond, that's actually the name of the moon base on the backside, which is actually a combination of, of bases. So uh, I think um, we could talk about, uh, I'd like you to uh, talk about, is Commander Aura Reigns the supreme commander of the moon base Clarion, or is she just a commander uh, on the moon base Clarion? Uh, she is the commander of the moon base, and uh, it uh, takes up the entire uh, 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 northeast quadrant of the the backside of the moon. Uh, then the the photos of it uh, 
uh, indicate uh, uh, an array of uh, dome structures, uh, interlinking dome structures uh, that uh, are centered around uh, uh, around craters and uh, uh, in the in the higher sections uh, uh, of the moon on the on the backside and. Uh, uh, there's also evidence that there's a lake on the backside of the moon and the polar toward the polar region, the south polar region of the moon. Okay, so do they have uh, um, uh, on the backside of the moon? Uh, they do have a lot of other bases underneath the moon and on the surface. There's even some on the front side too, as you'd mentioned. Um, can you tell me? Um, who else is up there that you know of? Uh, of are there ones that you don't know of? And the moon is pretty much under the control of the Venusians. Is that correct? Uh, yes, that is correct. And uh, um, from our own solar system, there are um, there are uh, other planetary systems that uh, also have representatives or or bases. Uh, uh, on the moon that are that are that are in the Clarion complex that are connected interconnected, and then from beyond in the Galactic Confederation, there's 601 member planet, and uh, they're also allowed to come and go on the backside of the moon. Did you tell me that there was another planet uh, between um, uh, Venus and the Sun besides? Uh, Mercury, I think it's called Vulcan, right? Oh, it's uh, it's on the other side. Uh, it, it's closest one to the sun. Uh, it's so it's past the orbit of um, of Mercury. Is that technically a planet? Uh, it would be essentially a planetoid. Uh, it hasn't reached the size of a uh, of a planet, so it would be like Aries or or Ceres. Uh, it's a little bit bigger than a moon, but not quite as large as a planet. Interesting. There is uh, life on pretty much every single planet in our solar system of some type and some degree. Is that correct? Uh, yes. And if it's not indigenous to that planet, uh, it was brought there or terraformed there. Okay. So um, I guess let's start. Uh, we can skip Vulcan. Uh, let, let's start with Mercury. Give us a brief synopsis of life on Mercury or bases there, and then let's just kind of we'll kind of move out to the system. Oh, a little oh bit. okay. Uh, <clears throat> well, uh, Mercury has a band of uh, uh, it has a um, oh, uh, a band uh, uh, which is about uh, some twenty miles across between the the cold side and and the uh, and the sunlit side, and it does rotate, although very, very slowly. Uh, but this band is is uh, uh, euphemistically called the twilight zone. <laughs> Interesting. Where uh, uh, where, where uh, spaceships can come and go, and people can actually step out of a spacecraft and walk around uh, around there. Okay, so I'm gonna 
pause you there. We're going to get started, ladies and gentlemen, on uh, show number two in just a second here for Raymond and I. It'll come up to you a week later. Uh, I'd like to thank Chris Spell, my sound editor, who's going to be working with me on these. Um, I'd like to thank all of you listeners for coming back and enjoying these uh, radio shows. We're going to be back uh, talking about the Twilight Zone, Venus, and we're going to go through some of the things in the solar system. And then we're going to get into the politics. And every now and then when he says something, we may branch off for some interesting information for you. I'm also going to have you folks who are listening and follow my work. Uh, go ahead and send me an email. You know where to do it. Uh, Rob at the com, and put questions for Raymond Andrew Keller. And we'll take those. And eventually uh, we may do them live. But um, at this point, um, I can't do that. So. I want to thank you for tuning into the Victory of Light radio show. I want you to know that Raymond and I are going to do our best here to give you the real truth of what's going on. This is not disclosure. We're not going to go into the government and what they're doing and what they supposedly did and who's involved and what the dark force is doing and what the government. Don't be distracted by this information. We want to give you the truth of the real nature of our neighbors from outer space, why they're here, what their intentions are, and how this revelation is going to be moving forward in the new, near future. We're very fortunate. I feel very fortunate. I have some information that uh, George Adamski didn't even know, and he actually had physical contact with uh, a Venusian who we're going to learn about at some point here, it's probably going to get revealed sooner or later. But if you listen to my information, you'll find out. So we have a lot of amazing information coming up for you. And I also want to mention for those of you folks who are listening, um, I'm going to South America. Um, and if you want to join us, Raymond might also be coming to Bolivia. I'm going to Peru and to Bolivia with Luis Mostojo, Fernando Martens, Amazing Journey. We'll talk about that at the beginning of the next show a little bit, too. So uh, thank you very much, Raymond. You're welcome, Rob. Thank you. Okay, victory to the light. So thanks a lot, folks, and see you next week.